serve a good God? Don't we serve a good God? Hallelujah. We serve an amazing God. Hallelujah. We serve a wonderful God. We serve a holy God. We serve a good God. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. We serve a God that amongst his many attributes is that he is good. It's essential to who he is. And it's wonderful that God is omnipotent, omnipresent, that he knows all, that he sees all, that he is all powerful. But despite all of those things, it's so important that God is good. And, his, and David says his mercy endureth forever. God extends his love and his kindness towards us because no matter how powerful he was or how powerful he is, if he's not good, it does not benefit us. If it is not of his nature to help us, it does not benefit us. But we thank God that he's good and his mercy endureth to all generations. Anybody glad to be in God's house on this morning? Come on, put those hands together. Are you glad to be in God's house this morning? Has God been good to anybody out there? I said, has God been good to anyone? Hallelujah. For those of who are watching by, by virtually, you just put those hands up, put that emoji up and praise with us in your home, in your kitchens, wherever you might be. We're giving God the praise and the glory because he's allowed us to see one more day. And we're grateful to God for all of his goodness, his kindness and his mercy. Why don't we give our praise team and our musicians a hand for leading us forth in worship on this morning. We appreciate them sharing in song amen, and by instruments skillfully playing. And may I pray with you this morning, if you'll bow your heads and those in the sanctuary, if you'll stand as we pray. We want to pray God's blessings over you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for just one more day that you've allowed us to come to be in your house on the Lord's day. This is the Lord's day and we and this is your day and we want to rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, also we're glad for another opportunity to worship. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Lord, thank you for another opportunity to praise you in your house. Lord, thank you for another opportunity to inquire in your house. Lord, whatever we're needing, whatever we require, whatever we're asking, when we inquire, Lord, we're asking you to help us. Lord, we're asking you to be with us. Lord, we're asking you to meet us at the point of our needs. And Lord, sometimes, Lord, we're asking you to help us understand where we are. Lord, that we may go forward into where you desire us to be. Lord, we ask that as we inquire in your temple on this morning, that you answer all of those questions for us. Lord, that we allow your word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And if at this moment, at this destiny moment, Lord, where our hearts and our minds run headlong into your word, Lord, allow us to adjust. Lord, allow our spirits, our hearts and our minds to be open to any adjustments that you would have us to make. Lord, that we not just follow the path that seems good unto us, but Lord, that we follow the path that you desire us to be in. Lord, let us not follow, Lord, not just be in your permissive will, but Lord, as we follow your instructions in your word, allow us to walk and live, exist, and Lord, and be blessed inside your intentional will. In Christ's name we pray. And Lord, most of all from this destiny moment, Lord, let us not leave here the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Be blessed. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. We are heading in the word to the book of Daniel. We were led to Daniel this morning, Daniel chapter 6. 
And we will start at verse three. Again, that's Daniel chapter six. And we will start at verse three. We'll be looking at verses three through 10. And then again, at verses 17 through 22. Again, that's Daniel chapter six. And we will look at verses three through 10. And then again, at verses 17 through 22. We'll be reading from the English Standard Version. So our version may vary a bit from yours. But the word of the Lord says there in Daniel six and three, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they found could find no ground for complaint or any fault. Because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any God or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Now, let's skip down to verse 17 with me. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. Then at, at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you continually serve been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O oh, king, I have done no harm. And the word of the Lord is blessed. I want to share from you from the thought this morning, a recipe for deliverance, a recipe for deliverance. If there was any either, any case in the Bible where we find a precarious situation where life hung in the balance, we find it here with Daniel in the den of lions. We find him here and it's precarious. And then it's also ironic in a way that Daniel is being persecuted for doing the right thing. 
Many times as it relates to the children of Israel, we find them being tormented or we find them being in a place where they are uh, are finding themselves in captivity as a result of their own wrongdoing, as a result of them being disobedient to the Lord. And the Lord, as a result of their disobedience, has allowed them to fall into captivity. And that's where we find the children of Israel here. They are in captivity as a result of their continued disobedience. In fact, Daniel usually takes place a little earlier than we find it in the Bible. If you actually look back at some of the areas uh, areas in Samuel and you look in Kings and some of those those chapters and some of those uh, passages and books, you'll find how Israel continuously found themselves in disobedience relative to God. Often it uses the term in the King James Version, it says that Israel again, and it uses the word again, Israel again played the harlot as it relates to Baal and all of the other uh, idols. And it began to continue to seek after other idols instead of seeking after God. And as a result of that, God allowed them to fall into captivity because of their disobedience. But here in this message relative to Daniel in this particular scripture, it's not because of Daniel's disobedience that he finds himself in the den of alliance. It's rather because of his vigorous desire to please God. It's because of his commitment and his consecration to God that we find Daniel in this situation. It's because he failed. He refused to stop praying unto God. He was determined that regardless of whatever happened, He was going to maintain his commitment to God. He was not going to stop praying. One of the verses that I like most here in this particular passage is that after it talks about in the first few verses, it talks about the satraps and the high officials and all of these men who have come against Daniel. And they asked the king to form an ordinance that Daniel or no one can petition anybody except the king, including their God. And when it says in verse 10, it says when Daniel knew that this law had been signed, when he knew it had been signed, said Daniel went back up to his prayer room and kept on praying. When he knew that he was in violation of the king's ordinance, it said his windows were open towards Jerusalem. And as his windows were open, he went to the same place where he always prayed, got down on his knees and began to petition God. Just as before, he did not allow the ordinance or the law to change his desire to please God. He didn't allow it to change or alter his commitment to God. And how many of us with even simple things, sometimes it's not laws, it's just circumstances. We don't feel so good or our favorite show is on and we alter our commitment to God. It's raining outside, so we alter our commitment to God. We have a, a little relationship spat. We got, got upset with our spouse, so then we alter our commitment to God. We didn't have the right clothes to wear to church, so we then we alter our commitment to God. We're a little sleepy that day, so we didn't pray like we usually do. So we alter our commitment to God. Little things that we allow to get in the way of our commitment to God. And then the question has to become, do we esteem God above anything else? Because if you allow things to separate you from God that you do not allow to separate you from work, then what is more important? Have you properly esteemed God in his place? What are you saying, Christian? I'm not saying you need to pray. Don't set a prayer time when you're supposed to be at work and then say, oh, I couldn't come because I was praying. That's not what I'm saying. 
I'm saying when you commit to pray, you ought to keep that prayer, be virtuous to whatever commitment you've made to God, just as you are virtuous in your commitment to job, your job. Because if you do not, that shows us or it ought to demonstrate to you that you do not esteem God as highly as you ought to. I heard someone say, and I thought found it to be true. It says our hearts are idol making factories where we will esteem anything. We'll worship anything. We'll put anything before God. We'll find any reason to forsake our commitment to him. And we will put that thing first. Whether it be Internet and television or computers or or other people or relationships, we find other things to esteem above God. And our heart seems to, to lean towards that. It seems to make idols because that's the nature of the flesh. That's why Paul said my my flesh has to die daily, because if I do not put my flesh under subjection, my flesh will esteem something higher than I esteem God. That's the nature of our flesh. So if we do not put it under subjection, it will cause us to esteem and abandon our commitment to God, to abandon our consecration. You know how often many, many times we're in consecration and we're, we're we're fasting or we're putting aside certain things. And then all of a sudden we're like, oops, I didn't mean to do that. You didn't. I, I believe you when you say it. But it's our flesh that continuously puts us in enmity with God because the desires of the flesh do not line up with what God's law and desire for us is. They're at war with each other, our flesh and our desire to please and consecrate ourselves to God. So it is a battle. It is a fight. And I come to tell somebody, if you don't feel that fight, if you don't feel the friction of that struggle, then you're not working hard enough to please God. Because you ought to feel the friction. You ought to feel the struggle. It's like someone was saying when a, for a rubber band to, to work, it has to be stretched. You ought to feel yourself being stretched every day because your flesh is warring against your spirit. And if you do not feel the stretching, just like that rubber band that is being put to use, then more than likely you are allowing yourself to fall subject to your flesh. You're allowing your flesh to win. The Bible says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial as though some strange thing has happened. You should anticipate the trial. You should anticipate the struggle. Such is the nature of someone who is having a war on the inside. There is a war happening inside of you. And there's a fight every day. Some days the struggle is harder than others. Sometimes the battle is more heated than other times. But every day there is a battle. There is a struggle going on within you. And you have to make sure that your spirit wins. You have to keep your flesh under subjection. You can't allow anything to separate you from the love of Christ. Because I want to note this to you, but when, because when Paul says that, he says, what shall separate me from the love of Christ, height nor depth, nor, nor any other creature? He's not talking about our commitment to God. He's talking about God's commitment to us. God's commitment to us. What he's saying is that God will not allow any of those things. To keep us, keep anything from loving us. He's going to love us through all of that, through your ups and your dry, try and through your circumstances. When you're doing wrong, when you're doing right, you cannot literally you cannot be separated from the love of God. It's there and present for you. The question is, will we embrace that love or will we set it aside? That's our choice because the love is there. There is nothing that will keep God from loving you. And that's 
That, that's, that's beautiful in itself to understand because if you can appreciate the things that you've done wrong, it's beautiful to know that there is nothing that can keep God from loving you. There's nothing that can keep God from loving you. I want you to find somebody in this sanctuary and point at them and tell them this, and I'm going to point to those who are watching us virtual and say there is nothing that will keep God from loving you. There's nothing. There is nothing. There is nothing. And Daniel had to believe that he understood that because he cannot be separated from the love of God, that somewhere close to the love of God is also his hand. I want you to get this with me, because wherever God's love is, his presence is there. He's 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 omnipresent. He's in all places. So if his love is present with me, then his hand must be close by. And why do I say his hand? Because if I'm close to his love, that same love and passion that he has for me will cause his hand to protect me. That same love that is with me, no matter where I am, will activate his hand and cause him to keep me from harm, even when I deserve it. Even when I deserve. We know David kept messing up. We know David did wrong so many times. I believe that's why David had one of the refrains in the Psalms is his mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. The reason David kept saying his mercy endureth forever is because David said, I'm man enough to acknowledge that I need it. I, I wish somebody were here with me because I acknowledge I'm like David. I need his mercy to endure forever. Because his mercies are new every morning. Every morning I need his mercy. It's because of his mercy that we're not consumed. It's because of his mercy that we're not bound for hell. It's not of works that we're saved. Lest any man should boast. But only because of God's grace and his mercy towards us. So Daniel understanding that nothing can separate me from the love of God and wherever his love is, his hand must be close by. He's saying, so if I'm going to keep my commitment to anything, my commitment to God supersedes my commitment to man. My commitment to God supersedes my commitment to man. I am going to stay commitment to God and whenever there's conflict. Jesus said it, put it this way, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar and render unto God that which is God. But Daniel says when they come in conflict, I'm going to esteem God first. I'm going to keep my commitment to God. If I'm going to drop a commitment, it's not going to be my commitment to God. And I I need us to live that with fidelity. That's how we need to live that if we're going to drop a commitment, don't drop your commitment to God. Don't drop your obedience to God. Don't drop your consecration to God. I came to tell somebody the reason you're special is because you consecrated. You're special because you're consecrated. If you think you're special, if you think you're in, you're living in God's favor, it's only because you're consecrated to him. As soon as you lose that consecration, you are no longer in line with God's special elect. You know, the Bible says, and we know. That all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord to them who are called according to his purpose. 
Once you step outside of that purpose, once you're no longer consecrated to him, once you're no longer esteeming him as high as he should be. You are no longer entitled to the blessings that come along with that scripture. So many times we want to accept scripture and want to say, yeah, that's going to happen for me. But baby, you have to understand there are prerequisites. There are there are requirements to fall in line to that promise. To be in line with that promise, you have to be God set aside people. You have to consecrate yourself to him. Many times, if you read the the, the Levitical writings, if you read the writings there in Deuteronomy and all the laws that God laid out for his special people, he said, you are my special people. But because you're special. There are things I need you to do. There's a certain way you sacrifice to me. There's a certain way that you worship me. There are certain things you set aside for my cause because you are my chosen. You are my special people. That means we behave in a manner that's peculiar, that's different. We don't allow all things. We don't accept all things. There are certain ways that we behave because we have been set aside for God's purpose. And that's what keeps us peculiar. That's what keeps us special. That's the Bible says you're a holy nation, a royal priesthood has been called out of the darkness into the light. That means that we have to behave in a certain manner to be entitled to what God expects from his special people. We know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. And you have to be called according to his purpose. Jesus said it this way. Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say. To be in line with God's blessings, we have to be obedient to his command. Daniel found it necessary to be obedient to the command of the Lord over the the laws of the king. So what Daniel demonstrated for us and what I need you to understand. Is that if we're going to fall in line, if we want to have the recipe for deliverance, one of the things you must not do is you must not abandon your purpose while you're being prepared. Don't abandon your purpose while you're being prepared. What do I mean by this is that Daniel here himself, he was he had already found favor in the kingdom. In fact, the, the first in verse three, when we, when we hear about the king, his regard for Daniel was so high that he thought about putting him over the whole realm, putting him over the whole kingdom under him, putting him in a similar position that we found Joseph in relative to Egypt. But then the high officials and the satraps and the prefects. They tried to design a law for the purpose of entrapping Daniel. There are people who will actively work against you. Need you to understand that there are people who will actively work against you and they don't all know you. Sometimes you'll be surprised when you find out someone saying something behind your back or someone working against you. And you're like, I don't even know who you are. So be careful when you ask for another level, when you ask to go to a higher place, when you ask to be elevated, you're going to find out you're going to encounter more people that don't like you, that don't even know you, that are working actively against you. Here Daniel was because of his position. He was in such a high place that he became a target of these high officials who didn't appreciate him. You know, their their their, their problem with Daniel is like, why are you setting somebody up so high? And he's one of the, the enslaved people. These are the people that that, that we occupying. We're occupying Israel. Israel, they're supposed to be our subjects. Why are you trying to esteem him higher than us? 
So they're trying to find a law to entrap Daniel. And while they're doing that, they do not recognize that they are setting into motion the exact process that God desires to lift Daniel even higher. And I want you to get that. They are trying so hard to get Daniel that they don't even recognize that they are setting into motion the set of events that will actually cause Daniel to be esteemed even higher. I want you to get that because haters are necessary in your life. Enemies are necessary in your life. The Old Testament puts it this way. He'll make your enemy your footstool. What I'm telling you is they will put into motion something that is intended to get you. But in the process of them putting their plan in motion, they are triggering a process of God that causes you to be elevated. That causes you to go to another level. That causes you to live in the place where God desires you to be. And sometimes those enemies are literally pushing you into the right position. So, so don't, don't, don't be so quick to discard your enemies. Don't be so quick to discard your haters. Don't be so quickly to discard those who speak against you, who are not with you, who are not on your team, who don't support you. Because they have been strategically put in place to assist you, to help push you into where God desires you to be. They keep talking. They keep working. They keep digging. They keep planning. But God is allowing their efforts to push you to where God wants you to be. It's like the watch. You know, in the inner workings of a traditional watch, when you look inside the watch, there are wheels that spin in one direction and there are wheels that spin in another direction. And it seems counterintuitive. It seems, why? I need my I need the hands of my watch to spin this way. But this wheel is spinning the opposite direction. So even the, 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 the power and the, the friction that is being generated by the wheel that seems to be spinning in the wrong direction, it's causing the watch to work as it should. And what I'm telling you is that those enemies, those haters are wheels inside the watch of your life spinning in the wrong direction, but generating the power to cause you to be in the place where God desires you to be. So tell your enemies, don't hate on them. Just let them keep on spinning. (laughs) Keep spinning in the wrong direction. Keep generating the very friction and power that is necessary to cause me to be in the place that God desires me to be. Don't allow the process. Don't allow where you are to to cause you to abandon your purpose. Do never abandon your purpose while you're being prepared. We talk about this relative to a recipe. See, a recipe is a set of instructions that are preparation or tell you how to make something. In fact, so there are some people I don't know that I agree with this. Some people say you don't know how to you don't really need to know how to cook. You just need to know how to read. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that because I know some people who can read who can't cook. Come in here with me now. But but basically what they're saying is the recipe is your guide, your preparative guide. It shows you the preparation steps that are necessary to formulate whatever you're trying to make. Now, separate from the recipe are the ingredients. Ingredients may be part of the recipe. Think of the recipe as the process. The ingredients are what are actually the elements of what makes up your creation. The recipe is the process. 
The ingredients are the elements of what makes up the final product. So there are things that are part of the process in the recipe that are not part of the final ingredients. There are things you use while preparing your creation that do not wind up in the final thing itself. Let's talk about that for a minute. The recipe, understand, as a process, is temporary. The recipe, the process, is temporary. It begins and then it ends. You have a final product once the process is over. But that process has a beginning and it has an ending. And and, and I want to give this to somebody because somebody right now you're in a trial. And it is hurting you right now. It it seems to be damaging to you right now. It's straining your nerves. But I want you to understand that it's part of the process. And it's going to have a beginning. And it's going to have an ending. And I need somebody right now who's in the middle to understand. Yes, you're in a trial. You're in a storm. But it had a beginning. And I promise you, as the Lord is real, it has an ending. Whatever you're going through, it has an ending because it's part of the process. I want to give you this also. I want you to understand that even when you're going through trials and you're going through storms, that everything aimed at you won't hit you. Everything that's been aimed in your direction, it won't hit you. The devil said that relative to Job. He said, I'm trying to touch Job, but I can't get to him. I can't reach him. God said, it's because I have constructed a hedge about him. There are some things that are being aimed at you that never hit you. That's why the old saints used to say, Lord, thank you for protecting me from danger seen and unseen. That means there are weapons that have been formed against you that you don't realize because they never reach you. Oh, I, I, I praise God for that. The, the, there are things that have been formed. There have been ditches that have been dug. There have been traps that have been set. But I never even think to praise God for them because they never touch me. They never reach me. I never fall to him, to them. But I thank God that he protects me from things that I do not see. Everything that is aimed at you will not hit you. Then I want to give you another level of encouragement and let you know that everything that hits you won't hurt you. <laughs> And I'm talking to somebody who's been hit. You don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise my hand. I've been hit before. I've been hit by a trial. I've been hit by a storm. I've been hit by even those who are trying to work against me. But I'm letting you know that everything that hits you won't hurt you. Because the Bible says no weapon that's formed against you. I wish you were with me this morning. Shall prosper. Even if it hits me, it won't accomplish its goal, which is to kill me. It won't accomplish its goal, which is to stop me from being obedient to God. That's exactly what this law did for Daniel. They aimed this this law at Daniel. And Daniel can't say it missed. It hit him. But Daniel, even when he knew, verse 10, when he knew that the law had been signed, Daniel went up to his to his window and prayed just as he had, had prayed before. He said, even though I've been hit. I will not allow the design of the enemy to stop me from being consecrated and obedient to my God. Final thing I want to let you know is that everything, everything aimed at you won't hit you. Everything that hits you won't hurt you. And I also want to let you know everything that hurts you won't kill you. 
Paul said, Lord, will you remove this thorn that's in my flesh? This thorn that is tormenting me, this thorn that is aggravating me, this thorn, this thorn that I just daily desire to get rid of. God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, God said, you're hurting, but I'm showing you something. You're going through the trial, but, but, but I'm demonstrating something through you. I told you, you the process has started, but I want you to know that the process will end. But something good is coming out of this. And I want somebody to understand this. I want to let you know that you're in the middle of a trial. You're in the middle of the storm. But I want to encourage you that something good. I, w- I wish you were here with me. Something good is coming out of this. A, a, a testimony is coming out of this. Strength is coming out of this. More faith in God is coming out of this. I'm letting you know that something good. It's coming out of this. I want you to understand that we're talking about as a recipe that all things work together for the good of them that work together. The hurt, my my harms, my storms, they're they're working together. They're part of the recipe. They're part of the process. I like eggs and I like sugar, but I don't like put sugar in my eggs. Because they, they, they just don't go together. So I want you to understand that, 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 that there are some doors that God may shut on you because you in that situation don't go good together. Uh, there are some people that God has separated from your life, not because they were leading you into sin, but because you just were not good together. I wish I wish y'all him. I, I had a student who, who who he he was great by himself. He'd pay attention. He'd make good grades. But there was another student in his same class that any time they were together, they always got in trouble. And I told him, I said, there's nothing wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with him. I said, you're just not good together. And sometimes we have to understand God has allowed separation in some relationships between our friends and separation between some people that we love because he understood there's nothing wrong with them and there's nothing wrong with you. But you're just not good together. I wish I wish somebody were with me here. Sometimes he's allowed separation from you in a certain job. But but God, I like that job and there's nothing wrong with the job. But you and the job just were not good. Come on, help me here. You are not good together. So when God allows certain things to be separated, it's not to bring sorrow into your life. But he recognizes that there are some things and some people and some concepts and some jobs that are just not good together. So we praise God that the sugar is good and the eggs are good by themselves, but they're just not good together. I want you to understand something that you have to follow the process. When God gives you a process, you need to follow all the steps in the process, because if you skip a step in the process, you compromise the outcome. Let me say that again. If you skip a step in the process, you compromise the outcome. Oh, if you don't get anything else, I need you to get this. If you skip a step in the process, you compromise the outcome. If you, it's perfect with recipes, you can you, you can put all the ingredients together. You can have the eggs. You can have the sugar. You can have the butter. You can have the flour. But let's say you decide to skip the process, the step of mixing them together. <laughs> so go ahead and dump those raw eggs in a pan. 
Go ahead and dump that, that flour in a pan. Go ahead and dump, and dump the, the vanilla extract in a pan. Go ahead and dump the sugar and the butter in a pan. But if you skip the step of mixing them together and put it in the oven, you're not going to like your outcome. Because if you skip a step, you compromise the outcome. So I'm going to hashtag this, don't skip a step. Point at your neighbor and tell them, say, don't skip a step. When you, when, you, when you skip a step, you, you compromise the outcome. It's not going to get you, get this here. It's not going to look like what you expected. <laughs> and I know somebody, you've been right there. You skipped a step in the process and then the, the, the end result didn't look like what you expected. Why? Because you skipped a step. What does Sean Page Rose say? said, if I were in control of my life. So I'd work things out a little differently. There'd be no her heartache. There'd be no pain. There'd be no tears. There are certain things. In other words, what she was saying in the song, she said, I would cut out some of the conflict in my life. And by cutting out the conflict, you know what you're doing? You're skipping a step. And when you skip a step, you compromise the outcome. Somebody point at someone and say, don't skip a step. The recipe might, 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 might cause you. To sift the flour. The recipe might cause you to crack some eggs. The recipe might call for you to blend the ingredients together. So although the eggshell is part of the recipe. And although the mixing bowl is part of the recipe. The whisk may be part of the recipe. But yet they're not part of of the ingredients. They were part of the process, but they're not one of the ingredients. And the problem with some of us, this is my issue with sometimes we say, oh, I want to recover all. Wait, hold on now. I don't want all my stuff back. There's some stuff that God left intentionally on the side of the road of my life that I don't need back in my ingredients. Come on, come on. I wish somebody were in here with me now. I, I don't need them back. I wish I had a few folks. I won't say people. You can think people. But I'll just say there's some stuff in my past that I don't want back. I wish I wish you would walk with me this morning. I, I, I don't want it back. I don't want it back. In fact, it caused me so many problems when I had it. Uh, I wish I had some real folks in here with me. Can, can somebody say I'm glad it's gone? I didn't say I'm, I didn't tell you to say I'm glad they're gone. I didn't, I didn't say that. I'm glad it's gone. There's some stuff in my past that God intentionally left out. They were part of the process. But they're not part of the ingredients. It was never God's intention for them to stay around too long. I wish you were in here with me this morning. I need the mixing bowl to make my cake. But I'm not going to leave the bowl inside the cake. I need the whisk to mix the ingredients together. 
but I'm not going to leave the whisker inside the cake. I might need the spoon to help churn the butter, but I'm not going to leave the spoon inside the cake. What I'm telling you this morning is that it was it was part of the process, but it's not part of the ingredients. God didn't intend for it to stay around too long. And I need to tell somebody that that's what Daniel was saying. He said, these people who are talking about me, the people who are accusing me, the people who are lying on me, they're part of the recipe. They're part of the process, but they're not one of my ingredients. In fact, when I get through this storm, I don't need them anymore. In fact, when Daniel was found inside the lion's den, the king said, Daniel, are you all right? Daniel said, oh, king, live forever. My God, who I serve, he's able to shut the lion's mouth. And he said he was able to preserve my life. So the king said, you know what I'm going to do? He said, I'm going to throw away the spoon. I'm going to throw away the whisk. I'm going to throw away the bowl. Because the same people who accused you, I'm going to throw them in the lion's den. I wish I had some help this morning. But I came to tell somebody the process that took you through, the process that made you cry, the process that made you lose your mind. God said, I'm throwing away the process, but I'm keeping the ingredients. Somebody give God some praise in here. Come on, stand into your feet. Give God some praise. You're weeping. May have endured for a night. But somebody say joy. Somebody say joy. Joy. God said, I'm tired. You're weeping in the door. God said, I'm turning your morning into gladness. Come on, give God some praise in here. Hallelujah. Give God some praise. Everyone standing on your feet. The thing about this is something I wanted to share before I conclude. I've shared this story before, but one time being a man, my wife gave me instructions and I didn't follow. Amen. I'll admit that there are other men who are in my same situation. She told me to finish cooking a beef roast. That's what she told me to do, Sister Sissy. I wasn't listening. I thought she meant warm up the beef rolls. They were all, all all the ingredients were in the pan. I just thought I was warming it up. So Brother James, you be with me, you be my help. I left it in there for about 15 minutes. I thought that was enough time to warm it up, but I wasn't listening. She said, cook it. So I left it in for 15 minutes, looked out, and I said, mm. even as a man, I'm like, no, that's not right. <laughs> so 
Something's wrong with that. And then I called her and she said, no, 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 you weren't listening. I needed you to finish cooking it. So what did I do? I took the pan and put it back in the oven. And I closed the door. And I just began to think in that moment that sometimes we think we're on our way out of our storm. I I just need a few witnesses. Have you ever felt like God picked you up and put you back in the oven and shut the door? I want to minister to somebody who feels like you're there. You thought you were out. You thought you were coming through. 2020 was supposed to be my year. I wish I wish I had some real folks in here this morning. It was supposed to happen for me last year. But it felt like instead of me coming out, God picked up the pan of my life, shoved it back in the oven and closed the door and turned up the heat. I was supposed to be coming out, but seems like God put me back in. He closed the door. He turned up the heat. And I want to minister that to somebody who feels like you're in that same situation. It felt like 2020 was a return or regression back. Felt like you went backwards. Felt like doors that should have been open were closed. And when you felt like it should have been better, instead it felt like God turned up the heat. And I want to let you know the reason God did it is because you're not finished. He's not finished not only making you, but he wasn't finished drawing the blessing out of that trial. He wasn't finished getting the glory out of your situation. He closed the door and I, I thank God for closed doors. I, I've shared the story before. Thank God Mordecai I tell you it's good to have a closed door. Because when the door was closed for the king, he kept hanging out. And while that door was closed, God was dealing with the king and telling him that he needed to elevate Mordecai. Had Haman gotten in there, had the door been open, he may have convinced the king to kill Mordecai before God dealt with him. But praise God, the door was closed and God ministered to the king. So by the time Haman got in there, he thought evil to do to Mordecai, but instead God turned that around. For his good. God turned it around and elevated. And I'm coming to tell you when God closed the door and he turned up the heat, he was transforming some things in your life. He was turning your mourning into joy. Oh, I wish you were here with me. He, he was turning that 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 spirit of heaviness and, and exchanging that for a garment of praise. God was taking the evil that you were feeling in your life and behind the closed door. It was cooking. It was becoming what God desires for you to have. Thank God for closed doors. Because behind the closed door, inside the oven, with the heat turned up, God was transforming me into what he desires me to be. You know what else I thought of it when sharing this morning? God said, now had it, I would happen to be cooking beef, Sister Nancy, but had it been pork and I had not cooked it well, That would have been harmful to us. That would have been dangerous to us. Had we eaten that which didn't stay behind the closed door long enough, it would have done us harm. 
So I want to let you know that allow the door to stay closed as long as God says. Because what he's preparing, when you try and take it out too early, it'll hurt you. And some of us are still dealing with the diseases from undercooked blessings. And some of you have been hurt in the church by undercooked people. They needed to stay behind the door a little bit longer. They needed the heat to be turned up a little bit more so that God could finish. Songwriter said, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. Let me stay behind this door until God finishes the work that he has for me. So I'm, I'm encouraging somebody who's there right now. You're behind that closed door and the heat is turned up. Stay there. Because when God is finished with you, songwriter also said, I shall come forth as pure gold. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise for his word. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord, that comes to challenge and to instruct us, Lord, to push us from the place that we are, to put us in the place that you desire us to be. Lord, allow this word to minister to our hearts, Lord. Let us be ready. Lord, let us follow your recipe for deliverance. Let, let, Lord, let us not allow ourselves to be confused or drop our drop our allegiance to you inside the process. Let us allow you to complete the process. Allow us, Lord, to appreciate closed doors, Lord, because sometimes that very door that is closed is helping to mature and, and, and perfect us into what you desire us to be. Lord, I ask if there's someone out there who's not saved. If you're not saved, if you'll lift up those hands and pray this prayer with me, say, Lord. I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory. And I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for all of my sin. Please forgive me. Lord, I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ was crucified. He died and was buried, but rose again with all power in his hand. And today, I claim him as my savior and my Lord. Jesus, come into my heart and I'll make you my savior and my Lord. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise in this place. Come on and give God some praise. If you said that prayer by faith, if you said it with commitment in your heart that you are saved, God bless you. For those who are watching us virtually, we want to let you know that we appreciate you joining us on this morning. We pray God's blessings over you until we shall see you again. Be blessed. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fun. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.